This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. Well, good morning again and welcome to Life Church. It's great to see you. If you don't know my name, my name's Jeff. I'm one of the leaders here and I'm delighted to see you. If you're watching online, we're glad that you're doing that and that you've tuned in. And uh, you may be watching from all sorts of different places. When Trish and I were on holiday last month in North Devon, we watched from there. And uh, it's amazing, isn't it? All that way. And some people are watching a lot, lot further. So you may be on your holidays in Cornwall or somewhere exotic, uh, like Cornwall or, or, or wherever. And uh, bless you, enjoy this. But it's good to keep in touch, isn't it? And you might be watching on Catchback and uh, Catch Up. Catch Up. Cashback is what you get when you go to the supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, that's hopefully the only mistake of the, that I'll do this morning. And uh, awesome. Good to see the uh, new Mr. and Mrs. Orr in the house. Uh. Nice one. So we are going to look at a new series called Faith in the Desert. Faith in the Desert. And we've just finished uh, a series on home. And it's really important that we kind of remember that this is a home, this Life Church community is a home for all that want it to be their home, and you're welcome here, and we want to make you welcome here, and we have an open door policy so that other people can come and be part of this home. It's not exclusive, it is inclusive, so people can be, can be welcomed, and people are, are checking us out, and right now with, with isolation and, and holidays and stuff, and maybe less people around, but God is building his church, and uh, so we're always going to be excited that we can pay it a little part in that. So thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your involvement in helping and encouraging people. That is just absolutely wonderful. So I start the series called Faith in the Desert, obviously going to talk about situations that we've been in, but this is a life-giving and a life-affirming platform. I want to speak life into your situation. I want to speak life into your world this morning and speak good things of God, because I believe that there are good things ahead. With God, the future is always better than the past. God's got good things in store for us that he already planned for us even before we arrived on this planet. And so we're excited about that. And so as we talk about desert and what that means, remember we're believing for life and the church has got a great future in East Lancashire, in the UK, in Europe, across the world. And thank God we can impact other nations as well. That is a privilege to be able to do that. So a desert can be defined as a place where life is difficult and God seems distant. Now that might resonate with you. That might be an experience that you've had right now. You say, well, I felt like I'm in a desert. I'm in a dry place and I have been in a dry place for some time. But God's been very close. He's been with me. Or on the other side, you might think, yeah, I get that. That kind of sums up a little bit of my personal experience. Well, life is difficult and God seems distant. For most of us, unless you've kind of just zoomed in from planet Z or, or whatever, life has been challenging over the last 16, 17 months. 
So for some, more than others, absolutely. And some have had terrible situations and terrible challenges. I was speaking to a friend of mine uh, this week whose daughter had been sent home from school to isolate 11 times, which is crazy. Want to be at school to be educated. And for some of you, you've had bigger challenges also, also than that. So the, the last 16, 17 months have felt a little bit like, in some respects, about a desert, about being in a dry place. But I want to talk about, and we're going to talk over the next few weeks, about how in spite of where our environment and how our circumstances have been, it's still possible to grow in our faith in a situation like that. It's still possible to thrive even when in apparent dryness. And when we think of the desert and and we think about the Bible, we we probably, many of us would immediately think about uh, God's people, the Israelites, who who went round in, literally, went round in circles for 40 years. A journey that could have taken them days, took them 40 years. Now, probably would have taken longer than days because there was was enemies to defeat and, and areas to be conquered and all of that. But it was massively expanded the time they spent there because of their own disobedience. Now, I'm not suggesting for one moment that we're in this situation because of our disobedience. All I am saying is we can stay longer in dry and barren situations, in difficult situations, if we don't put our trust in God and look to God, look to, God to get us through. A desert is a place of solitude, of being separated from other people to contemplate and meet God face to face. It's that. It can be an opportunity to meet with God face to face. So if you felt a little isolated at times, and probably we all have in different, at different levels at different times, it's good that that, that perhaps is even an opportunity, creates an opportunity for us to be close to God. Good news is desert is generally not somewhere where we stay, we pass through. It's not somewhere where we live, it's a season in life that we go through. And so if we believe that, that God can help us. But you know, whatever in the Bible, um, a desert, it's sometimes called a wilderness. Uh, so if you read wilderness or you read desert, it's pretty, pretty much the same sort of situation. So that's how it can feel a wilderness place, a dry place, a barren place, a, a, a desert. And one of, one of the best, most amazing facts about deserts is, well, my, for me anyway, Sahara Desert. Sahara just means desert. So it's desert desert. So that, that, that's just it. But whatever you call a desert, it's a desert. And you know, the Sahara isn't even the biggest desert in the world. It's the Antarctic and, and the Arctic uh, they are considered deserts because largely, largely lifeless. There's, there's the ice cap and the tundra and all this kind of stuff. And that's enough about ecology because uh, somebody in the room will know a lot more about it than me. Uh, and so these are barren places, dry, lifeless, or apparently lifeless, barren places. There is, however, life in the desert. I, I was uh, amazed as I've been researching deserts, as you do, and uh, I found out some incredible facts about the Sahara. 
See, I didn't say desert, desert. I said Sahara. There are 500 species of plants, 70 mammals, 90 birds, 100 reptiles, spiders and scorpions and all things like that, none of which we expect this afternoon at the picnic. But there's all of those things in the Sahara. So if you look close enough, there's life. And I believe if even whatever God is taking you through right now, However challenging that is right now, however difficult that is right now, if you look closely enough, there'll be signs of life. There'll be signs of God's hand. There'll be signs of God's working, even though we don't always see it obvious. God is active and working for you and on, on our behalf. So sometimes, you know, a desert is a safe place where God places us to keep us safe and do a work on us. And we'll find as we look over the next few weeks at different situations, that was very true. God took people or placed people in these places to work on him, on them and, and then working through them. But I believe spiritual growth is still very much possible in the desert. John the Baptist, for example, spent his ministry based in the desert. I appreciate he traveled from the desert to certain towns and cities, but he, he was based in the desert. People came to him in the desert. So in spite of his environment, he was still able to grow and spiritually impact and prepare the way for uh, Jesus, of course. So how, how are you going? Have you grown the last 16, 17 months spiritually? Are you growing right now? As I look at myself, ask myself the question, I'm asking you to do the same of yourself. Are we still growing or are we making our circumstances, making that the reason or, or even an excuse why we're not growing? I'm not making light of your circumstances, the busyness of life, the challenges of life, the, the disappointments, the, the heartache and all this kind of thing. But in spite of that, God can use those situations if we cooperate with him and that we can grow through them and be stronger on the other side of that. You know, deserts are sometimes of our own making. It's interesting that there are deserts in the world that have appeared or have come to pass in recent years because of man's misuse of resources, because of rivers being diverted, because of trees being cut down. And I'm not suddenly going to become an ecological, I'm not going to go ecological warrior on you, eco-warrior, that's easy to say, warrior on you. I'm not going to, be, I'm not going to become that, but it's quite clear for me, when we read the, the Bible from the beginning of the Bible, from Genesis, God created man not just to be a consumer of resource, but a custodian of resources. And so it's important that we, that we all play our part in that. It might seem fairly insignificant what one person can do, but together, across the planet, it is, is significant. So sometimes deserts can be man-made. They can be, come as a consequence of our own decisions. You can create a, an area of barrenness because water hasn't flowed into that situation because trees and vegetation have been cleared and it becomes a wasteland, a wilderness, a desert. And I would suggest that in our, our lives as we walk with God, if we don't have the Holy Spirit, 
if we don't have the Word of God, if we don't spend time with God before we know it, our lives can become much drier, much less having the sense of the closeness of God, although God never abandons us, of course, however we might feel. It can be a gradual thing, but we can create a dryness in our own lives if we don't spend time with God. He is our source. He is the answer. It's not something we can do for ourselves in one respect, but no, when we go to God, He refreshes us, He fills us with His Spirit, and He gives us those, the, the, the power and the life. He is life-giving. Coming here this morning or watching online, you have made a decision that you don't want to be a wasteland. You want to receive something into your life. You've made that decision. When you start the day with prayer, you've made that decision, a connection with God. God, I need something from you. Oh, yes, I want to give my praise and, and worship to you, but I need something from you. God, when we open the Word of God, you say, God, speak to me. And if we have that attitude, it never fails. He speaks to us. We need that to avoid becoming a dry place, a wilderness, a wasteland a desert. We can be barren as Christians. You know, sometimes we don't realize it's happening. It's a gradual thing. And I want you to cast your mind back as a Christian. And for many of us who have been Christians, we've been Christians for many years. Some of you very recently, which is just also wonderful. But for all of us, we still have a responsibility to keep hot for God. We still have a responsibility not to allow uh, dryness and, uh, and go cold. You know, the, the, the fable of uh, the story of, of if you put uh, a frog in, into a, a pan of water, and I'm not, I've not tried this at home, and please don't do this because it's cruel, and we, we, we oughtn't to do that. And so I don't know how we know these things. But if you put a frog in some water and heat the water slowly... It gets used to the temperature and it's basically cooked, alive. If you put a frog into boiling water, it jumps straight out. Now, whether that's true or not, it reverses true in our spiritual walk with God. If you're hot for God, really going for God, really feel God's presence and all that kind of thing, it can be a drip, drip effect to mix metaphors right now, but it can be... A slow, gradual thing when we just get just one degree, another degree. Before we know, we're cold, we're dry, we're a wasteland spiritually, we're barren. Let's take personal responsibility and say, God, I'm going to connect with you this week. From today, I'm going to reconnect. Yes, I'm going to start tomorrow morning. Now, I realize busy lives. Some of you have children. You say, I never get a minute. I'd lo I love to spend time with God, but you know, the last time I had a minute to myself was three years last Tuesday. But whatever we have, let's use it. Let's try and maintain that freshness. Disobedience meant the Israelites spent 40 years in the desert. They didn't need to have done that. And most problems in our lives stem from bad decisions, don't they? On Friday, I drove home from uh, the church here at 5 o'clock. I drove onto, onto my drive. Not, nothing particularly clever or interesting about that. But as I was getting out of my car, a guy came from across the road. Pastor, pastor, he says, 
will you pray for me? And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know who you are. And I said that. And he said, no, I've been to your church. And anyway, he'd been working across the road, uh, d- doing some work from, from one of my neighbors. And he said, will you pray for me? He, told his, he started telling me his story, his testimony of what God had done for him, how, how he had been in prison for, many, for, for seven years, I think it was. And he, he came out and God had turned his life around. God had visited him in that situation is God had sent somebody to speak to him and he became a Christian. And the power of that, and he said, no, I need more strength. Will you pray for me? And so I did on, 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 the, uh, on the drive at home. I prayed for him. And I thought, that was an amazing privilege. Don't underestimate the power of your testimony. Don't underestimate the power of God can continue to strengthen you to tell that your story and to make a difference in the lives of people. So let's uh, read this story about Moses in the desert. And it's Exodus chapter 3, second book in the Bible. For all those who say they never preached from the Old Testament at that church, just, just let me... Uh... I get emails like that, it's bonkers. Exodus chapter 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jeremiah. Jethro, the priest of Midian, he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself, you would. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your trainers, your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. He takes off his shoes, he covers his face, reverence to God. I'm not suggesting we take off our shoes. Might not be particularly nice for the people near to us, but he was showing reverence. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. I am aware of their suffering. God is always aware of what you're going through. Always. He's not ambivalent to that. He's not turning a blind eye to that. Verse 8, so I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Ittites live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt... You, should, you will worship God at this very mountain. So Mo, Moses, he's Moses having this extraordinary encounter. This was preparation for him in the desert for what he was going to lead God's people in the desert 
very significant in that sense. But my first point was that sometimes deserts can be of our own making. And the second point is I think the deserts can also define us. Moses became a leader in the desert. Now just think of Moses for a minute. He was a guy who was brought up in a palace. Nothing was too much trouble. No expense spared. He was short of nothing. He was brought up as a prince and treated as such in a palace. Now he's at the far side of of, of some desert looking after probably hundreds, maybe thousands of sheep. It's quite a come down from where he was. A prince in a palace in a dry and barren land day after day looking after sheep. What a, what a difference that was. But you know how we can learn to trust God in those driest of times. How we learn to trust God in those difficult times. How we learn to trust God when things are not going according to plan, when God seems to be distant, when it seems like we're not hearing from God. He's in a a, a desert looking after sheep. He's serving his father-in-law. Who wants to do that? He's serving his father-in-law and in the driest of places. From being served, he becomes the one who serves. But it's extraordinary how God defines him in that. He named his first child that, that he had in this time, he named his first child a foreigner or sojourner, which defined who he was. He was not well-known and looked after. He was a nobody in a back-of-beyond sort of nowhere kind of a place. He felt like a foreigner in a foreign land. He was a sojourner or somebody who was just living there, kind of passing through. And sometimes we all feel like those times. Why is this happening to me? Why have I had to go through this? God, could you, could, please God, could you fast forward this experience? So I, I've learned the lesson. Can I get out the other side now? Pronto. That would be awesome. I get it, God. I understand it. But God, sometimes God says, it's going to take a little bit longer. God sometimes says, I've got to define you and refine you a little bit more. Sometimes God says, I've got to work on you a little bit more. And out of that, I'm not suggesting all bad experiences are given to us by God for that reason. What I am saying is, whatever the circumstances and however they came about, we can learn, we can grow, we can be, refined, we can be defined. What happens to us in those times defines us. He became a leader of God's people at that time. God used him from looking after sheep to doing that. And I love the fact that he was so reluctant. When God spoke to him, um, you know, he saw the bush, probably like a a shrub, like brambles that were were burning. And and he saw an angel. It was all all happening. Then he hears the voice of God. All of this is happening. An extraordinary experience that he was going through at at, at, this, at this time, incredible experience. But, and he was reluctant to be a leader. And you know, I love that. If you, want to, if you want to be, if you're ambitious to be a leader, you've got to look at yourself and think, hmm, why would you do that? Because we lead when we're compelled to do so. 
So we all have responsibility to lead in our families and lead in small groups and all that kind of thing. But you've got to know that God wants you to do it. And you've got to be committed to that and do it for him, not for yourself. And be, always be wary of leaders who want to be famous, who want to make a name for themselves. We want to make a name for Jesus in this area. We want to make Jesus famous. We want to make Jesus honored and worshipped and loved and followed. That's what it's all about. He only led when he was compelled to do so. He was prepared to do that. So deserts can define us. They can also refine us. When we come through the desert, lessons, lessons learned. What will we learn from the period that all of us have gone through over the last 16 or 17 months? I hope we learn that we can trust God even more than we probably knew before. I hope we learn what things we should really value because some of the things we couldn't do didn't really matter all that much. We value people and community and being together and serving and worshiping God. But you can grow in that. Just three quick things. For the, uh, I've only got, I'm only going to be another... 45 minutes or so. So just, just three, uh, just three uh, quick things. First of all, in the desert, look for signs of God's presence. I absolutely believe that whatever you're going through or whatever I'm going through, God is present with us. And if we look for those signs, we can see it. It was just another day for Moses just another day but as he was looking he saw the burning bush he saw the presence of God and I believe if you look closely enough he said I've got to get closer I've got to see this I've got to see what's really happening and he because he looked closely enough he saw the presence of God and I believe in your challenge, in your difficulty, in your struggle, in your dryness, in your barrenness, in the wilderness that you're in, if you look closely enough, you will definitely see the presence of God. There's nothing like the presence of God. It's nothing like the presence of God. I like being with people. I, I like being with family. I like being with church family. I like being with friends. I, I, I buzz off that and, and I love that. But the presence of God... Could you feel the presence of God in our worship? Beautiful. As our team who faithfully lead us through 101 challenges every week, people being isolated in isolation and all. Wonderful. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you so much. The presence of God. But you can know the presence of God at home. You can know the presence of God walking down the street, driving down the street. You can know the presence of God irrespective of your environment or your circumstances. If you look for the presence of God, you'll see it. You will, you will find it. He went to take a closer look. And when he took a cl closer look, he heard the voice of God. Take a closer look, you'll hear the voice of God. He absolutely will. And God knew his name. I love that. And God knows my name and God knows your name. And he said, Moses, Moses says, I'm here. And Moses got it and he thought, this is awesome. This is incredible. The presence of God, it's what we all need. Look for the signs of God's presence. Listen to God's promise. God reminded him that he was the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob. And what that meant would mean to Moses 
was all the promises that God had given to Abraham and to Jacob were being applied at that moment again to his life. He got it, the promises of God, and he says, I'm sending you and I'll be with you. Hey, Life Church, as we look to the future, God is sending us and God will be with us. It's the promises of God. Irrespective of how things feel at that time, and I've been as frustrated as anybody trying to think we want to advance this year. We want to, we want to take new ground, and God's helping us in so many ways, and I'm not belittling that. God is sending us. God will be with us. Listen to God's promise. That assurance, that affirmation, that guarantee, that is with us. And finally, learn to trust God's plan. God has a plan for our lives, for your life, for my life, for us as a church community. So that also includes each and every one of us. And Moses was told how this is going to work. You're going to go back to Egypt and you're going to tell the Pharaoh, the king, to let the people leave and go to an incredible place of promise. So we know, and we'll, we'll, you know, you see the story to read through, through the book of Exodus. You see that that wasn't ever straightforward, massively challenging, massively difficultly, but difficult. But God had a plan, as God has a, has a plan for us. He always has a plan for us. Even when we don't see what's happening, He's still working on our behalf. God works everything to good, for the good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, according to the book of Romans. That's what it is. God is working on for, for us. Learn to trust God's plan. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. Faith in the desert. Deserts can be of our own making. Deserts ultimately define us and can refine us. What we have gone through makes you who you are. We all of us carry scars. Might not be visible scars, but scars in our hearts and disappointments and, uh, uh, and frustrations and, and, and all of that. We all carry those with us. That makes us who we are. It defines us. But in that definition is a refinement that God take, makes us to be the people who He's called us to be. So, yeah, look for, look for signs of God's presence. He's with you. Remember His promises. Trust His plan. And let's see what God can do for each and every one of us. I want to pray for people who feel like you're in the desert right now. And I want to speak life to you. I want to speak words that will confirm what God said to you, will encourage you to keep going forward. And as I speak those words, I believe as we cooperate with Him, God will take us forward to grow in faith irrespective of what this is looking like. Those of you at home that are at home because you're having to isolate, maybe again, God's with you. Those of you at home who are waiting for operations and are looking after yourself before that, God's with you. God will touch you. God will help you. God will strengthen you. God will heal you. I absolutely believe that. Those of us in the room who just say, God, I need you. I need more of your presence. I need, I need more of your strength. And the guy that asked me to pray for him, on Friday who I didn't even know God wants to strengthen us
God wants to help you. God wants to bless you. There's absolutely no question about that. So in this time of receiving something from God, where God will lean in, we need you. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at lifelanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our neighbours, our nation and the nations with the good news about Jesus.